Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest today, Michelle, Michelle Arnish. How are you, Shelly? I am doing well. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. Calgary Conspires, you, you and I met at the Calgary Influential Women in Business Awards. We were seated at the same table. I think one we were one table, one table person apart uh, as true. my table mate. And I was so curious to find out, you are editor-in-chief at Avenue Magazine. And I don't believe that needs an introduction, but I will we'll jump in the elevator for just a couple floors. If anybody doesn't know about Avenue Magazine who's listening to the show, I would be shocked. But maybe give us a little bit of history and a little bit of the Avenue Magazine story in case anybody really doesn't know how much of an iconic publication it actually is in the city. Well, that's quite an introduction, but um, I can't <laughs> say I disagree. I do think that Avenue is iconic in Calgary. It's, um, I'd say, the premier city magazine that we have um, in town, and it has been publishing uh, as Avenue. Well, it's it's kind of complicated, actually. Um, <laughs> I think we, have, we went over this that night. I forgot <laughs> that there's a, this is a, there's a whole yarn behind this story. There is a bit. So um, I believe. The, the tagline right now is that we've got we've been publishing for 27 years. Okay. Um, and yeah, so definitely the magazine goes back into the 90s. Um, and for a while there, the same publisher that put out Avenue was also putting out a, ma- a magazine called Calgary Inc. Um, and then those two magazines kind of fused together in the mid 2000s. And, and it's kind of been Avenue as we know it since then. And... I was going to make a joke to what we're saying 27 years. Cause if it's, if it says it in print, it must be true. Cause if it says <laughs> it on the true. internet, I know to just to be like, I'm suspicious. Exercises. If it's got print and it's got more weight behind it, which is going to be a, as you and I were joking before we hit record, uh, you talked about two, two magazine coming, comes together. Like let's kind of dive right into it. Uh, print the magazine business, uh, you know, bringing two magazines together to maybe get some cost efficiencies. You've been at Avenue, uh, for, and sorry, are you at Avenue or are you at Red Point? Cause is Red Point still the owner of Avenue magazine? Red Point is a publishing company. It's a media company okay. and it is locally based. So that is um, kind of something that's really unique about it, I think, um, in this day and age of 
kind of giant conglomerate media organizations, the fact that this is actually a homegrown success story is really interesting to me. But yeah, Redpoint Media is basically the publisher of Avenue. Um, Avenue is probably the best known Redpoint Media product, but we have a whole other stable of products that we put out, of magazine products. Um, and uh, one of them that we used to put out was the WestJet magazine. Um, unfortunately, right, that magazine that. was a bit of a casualty of the pandemic, and um, you know we'd love to have them back, but hasn't happened yet. But um, we have we have a whole other um, stable of magazines as well uh, that the company puts out. Okay, awesome. And you've been with the company. Have you been? Uh, uh, sorry, I know you've been with the group for twelve years. Have you been working on Avenue Magazine specifically for twelve years, or in the Redpoint Media family for twelve years? Yes. So, I mean, if you work at Avenue, you, you work for Redpoint Media. But um, uh, yeah, yeah I, I was actually, I came on board in 2010. Um, okay. And I was hired originally just kind of to be a writer. Um, so okay. Avenue was kind of the, the primary kind of publication that I was hired to write for. But essentially, my time was also designated to other Redpoint magazine uh Okay, so you've, a, you've yeah. been in the biz, as they say, the for a good solid 12 years. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit of what you're seeing and the evolution of how has it changed, how has it shifted, kind of what have you seen from your perspective? And we'll kind of layer that into the role that it actually does or doesn't play, because I think there's a lot of, you know, uh, what is it, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Print is dead. <laughs> I've been hearing that for years, but yet it's still there and it has a, it, it has a role. But talk to me about a little what what you've seen in the past 12 years. Hmm. Yeah, well, things have changed quite considerably. I mean, um, things have kind of shrunk down a little bit. Uh, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. Um, any magazine, really, that you see, if you c compare, say, the uh, 2010 edition, say that, imagine, say, the 2010 September issue of Vogue, um, and then you look at, say, what what's going on this uh, in this day and age, um, you're going to see markedly smaller magazines. Um, right. It's just uh, a reality. And so with those smaller magazines come smaller teams putting them together. But um, on the flip side, there's also kind of a broadening of, um, of products that uh, you put out in addition to the actual print issue. So no one right. just kind of puts out only a print issue. You've got a website, you've got a social feed, you've got various social feeds. Um, you've got, yeah, you've got even a, like a LinkedIn profile. And yeah, you've got, a, you've got all these other things that you have to kind of incorporate into your production process with um, a lot of a smaller team. So it's a very mm -hmm. challenging time to be in media. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't question for a second. Um, can you do more with less? Does that sound, does that sound like something that I think everyone has heard in the last <laughs> couple of years, but in your industry for sure, is that a bit of the create once, like a friend of mine always used to say, oh, it's about cope, Tyler, create once, publish everywhere, get a good solid piece of anchor content and then obviously adapt it, but don't re don't recreate the wheel here, get it out on social, get it on your Insta, get it on your, on your LinkedIn using that same core piece of good, solid content, whatever it may be, and then push it out so that it's really becomes a multi-point channel strategy, but ultimately the storylines and the theming stays relatively the same. Is that, is that how you guys promote, pr think about it? I think that, you know, that's somewhere we'd like to be and that we're working towards. Um, okay. Definitely how to make the most out of the work we're doing to create stories is definitely um, a, a major, major kind of theme in how we're working okay. and running our business right now. Um, you know, that's not something that you can 
just do overnight, especially when you're kind of an established organization. Um, you've got to kind of create those systems from within and you've got to make sure that when you create those systems, they're actually doing what they need to do. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like how to how to make the most out of the work you're doing is is um, I mean, I think that's something that every business is trying to uh, figure out. And that's definitely something that that media and Avenue specifically is trying to figure out. Um, I no, feel like I, I had something yeah, else well, to tell you there that was really important. <laughs> you didn't use you didn't use the word pivot, so I'm impressed because that's an easy word to throw again. Like, mm. so we're constantly pivoting and running as fast as we can. But I appreciate your honesty around that's what we're working towards because it's easy to just flip it off. And go, oh yeah, we're just going to write this one piece and then we're going to repurpose it everywhere. It's going to be consistent. Mm. The 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 person I do the remember what experiencing I was it. Oh, sorry, go for I was going to say one thing that's kind of significantly different. I think from when I started in 2010 is that there was this concept of like the scoop, like, um, like having this kind of like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like back to like, yeah, like, newsies, like a newsy, right. newsy like, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you wanted to like hold on to it and protect it. And then when you, when you put it out in the print magazine, then it's like suddenly the world gets to see this story that you've been working on and writing. And, um, definitely the mindset is a lot different now. It's like, if you have kind of a kernel of a story, it's better to just kind of put it out there and build hype for it. And then when the actual story comes out, that's when, you know, oh, you get okay. the big payoff. Yeah. But the idea of scooping yourself isn't so much a deal anymore. It's more just um, kind of kind of putting something out there, building an audience, and then kind of like giving them the grand finale when the when the big feature length story runs. I appreciate that very different than keeping it super secret, like how it's mm. been portrayed in a million movies or TV shows we've all watched, of breaking the story versus actually teasing people, getting them excited, like planting that seed, trying to break through the the barrier we all have of how many times do I have to see a message before I even realize it exists. Mm. So that when that article comes out, I'll then go for the publication and I'll commit that extra time and energy to read a, maybe a multi-page feature or an editorial when I'm going to give you, when I'm used to giving the world 140 characters, uh, maybe at most of my attention. <laughs> ah, that's an interesting flash. So from the world that you live in, starting as a writer, and even how the world of journalism has changed, so I think of journalism of like breaking news, kind of like what you talked about, versus going to magazines where I'm going to get maybe a bit of a bit of an in-depth story. I'm going to have maybe personal interest pieces. So the role of Avenue, when you say like it's a it's a premier city magazine, what's the balance that because you guys you know best restaurants, your famous best communities, you've got some things that are kind of iconic that whenever I see them, like I will pick up the magazine because I want to know what's who's on the restaurant list. Yeah. How do you guys juggle that balance of like what kind of content, like as the editor in chief, how much of a role do you dictate well these are our staples but here's what we fill in the in-between pages with yeah no I, I I'm definitely uh, heavily involved in in those aspects of the publication um, we're always I think trying to figure out what it is our readers want and balance that with like kind of pr providing that expertise a uh, voice of expertise where we're we're telling the readers um, giving them our point of view and maybe kind of almost uh, educating them. So there's that balance between like, you know, what do you want to read about? We'll give you that. And also um, kind of saying like, we've discovered this and we want to share it with you sort of thing. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a okay. push pull um, and definitely something that, uh, that the job entails every, every decision you make basically has those two uh, elements to it. I mean, um, you kind of just for the sake of consistency, you have, you have kind of sections and departments in the magazine. So, you know, yeah. you always, you always start with your table of contents and then you have your editor's <laughs> note and then, um, you have kind of a little front of book section. Uh, at least we do. This is the current format of Avenue where you, it's almost like little, little tidbits, little snapshots of the city that kind of draw you in. And then you kind of 
lead from there into the more meatier content and and then um you know you always kind of most magazines and we do too have have like a standard uh, consistent back page format and for the past couple of years we've been using that page to feature a local piece of public art um and it's quite a popular I've seen, yeah, I've yeah seen. people actually kind of use it to go out and find the art and look at it and then each month they do it so um yeah it's a, it's a kind of a fun way to end I appreciate your de- the deliberate nature of I pick up the magazine because I know what I'm going to expect, but I still also want a little bit of surprise and delight. Like, and, and that's a bit of an overused term, or certainly it has been, but we all want that. Right. You know, like I want to flick to the last page because I know what's going to be there, but what is there might surprise me. Like that's an interesting balance to kind of juggle that because we're so totally. fickle as humans. You know, excite me, but don't make, but geez, this isn't what I expected, but yet I want to be surprised. Like it is a pretty, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. As a reader, Actually, that's very like exactly what you're saying is kind of what I loved a lot about this piece that we put out in our May issue. It was um, kind of a standard feature we've done year after year after year. It's called the best things to eat. Um, and basically we kind of get uh, a very food savvy freelancer. So in the past we used Julie Van Rosendahl a lot, but we've um, now started using a food blogger named Carmen Cheng. And this year we brought in another food blogger who's friends with Carmen Chang. So was, her name's Chanry Thatch. And the two of them kind of teamed up and they went out and they kind of just found these amazing kind of unlike the best restaurants issue. Yep. This is all about like kind of grab and go items that you could grab from like a farmer's market stand or something. Um, and we chose to do a list of 31 so that we could list uh, a certain we could release a certain one each day in the month of May. Oh, so, that's awesome. I like yeah, that. Yeah. So you ended up it. with this like cool list of of really fun, delicious items. But what I love the most about it is just kind of that sense of discovery it brought with it. So <laughs> like if you, if you looked at it and you were like, oh my goodness, I have to go, I have to go try that. That sounds incredible. Then the second step in that process is you actually go out into the city and maybe into a neighborhood or a market yeah, you've never been to before. Into an area that you haven't been before. Yeah. And you go find this product. And then while you're there, you may like discover other things that you really love or you're like, oh my goodness, there's this amazing like Asian market here. And they have my favorite sesame snacks or, you know, and, and I think lo- like that kind of to me is, is the best thing about what we do where it's, it's kind of like, you know, people love us for our food and dining content, but then adding that layer where it's like the, the level of discovery or like this ability to like find new things about your city and appreciate it more. I think that's some um, kind of sums up what we're all about. Well, and I love that on so many fronts of, you know, I've often been heard, said, and I've moved to Calgary from Montreal, like, oh, Calgary's boring and doesn't have this, doesn't <laughs> have that. But you got to put in a little bit of work sometimes, right? You got to go and That's explore. True. You've got to go to these little pockets of, like, there's, a, you know, first of all, if you're going to complain about it, you need to be part of the solution, not the problem. That's a whole nother mm. conversation. <laughs> but I love it because if you, it's like what I say about the show, why I, why I, you know, why I keep doing this podcast, people are like, oh, there's nothing going on in Calgary. I'm like, it's just because you haven't taken the time to look. There is so much going on here. And you guys often showcase, I like that 31 days of surprises and, and, and you're going to end up somewhere you weren't before if you're willing to kind of just take that step and jump and, you know, jump, jump in the car. And what's great uh, about uh, it too, is like in the print magazine, you just see all the 31 laid out in these beautiful photo spreads that our creative team put together. But then the nice thing now about having that social media arm is that you can actually do the daily dispatch right it's like, a little, so, it's like an advent calendar i get excited about what's going to be right. behind, it, behind it next day an advent calendar. i love that's the mix brilliant. i love the mixed medium that you talked yes. about about yeah, yeah the magazine has a great showcase and brings it all together but there's that daily dose of you if you will of, of exciting and, and new information you, you made a comment about uh, just using uh, food bloggers mm. from a content creation standpoint 
I can only assume it's more difficult, but also probably a lot more exciting because you have so many different places that you can tap content from now versus, no, I'm a magazine journalist and I write for this magazine and I do this and that's what I do. And I've always got to keep it fresh. And I know that industry is another industry that's gone through a lot of change, but you must have a pretty unique Rolodex <laughs> to use an old reference. I've never owned one, but I always use the reference. I know what it looks like on my desk. I've seen too many movies. You've got, must have this amazing list of resources to tap into from all different mixed mediums across the city or even across Western Canada. Yeah, well, you know, visually, we're really lucky to have an amazing in-house staff photographer. Um, okay. And we do, we do use uh, visual content um, contributors. Uh, we will use other photographers from time to time. And we definitely um, don't have an in-house illustrator. So a lot of the illustrations that you see in Avenue are, are um, you know, out, outside of our team. Um, okay. But yeah, having that in-house photographer is is a really wonderful resource, and he does such amazing work. His name is Jared Sitch, and um, yeah, his style is just so uh, so vivid and beautiful. And um, yeah, we're really lucky to have him on board. Um, in terms of writers, I mean, yeah, just the the history and the legacy that Avenue has. There's just so many writers in uh, in this region that are happy to write for us, and we're really lucky that way. Um, and then, yeah, we're at the same time, we're trying to always develop new writers and um, just to get that kind of like uh, diversity of voices and um, new points of view. And so, yeah, at the same time, it's wonderful to work with a really established food writer like Elizabeth Chorney Booth, who's, you know, doing what's been doing what she does and writing for us for years and years and years. But then also having that opportunity to reach out to kind of um, this new contingency of food bloggers um, who, you know, have are also proven to be good writers. But just to mm -hmm. kind of broaden our broaden our horizons and um, yeah, just get some new voices in the magazine. That's super uh, important to us. What's your from a from a demographics perspective? Like, curious about data. And mm. obviously, I've I've worked with magazines many times as an ad agency, and like, oh, this is our audience, and this is our segment, and this is their socioeconomic and revenue and all that. But now you also have access to digital, where you get ultimately even more data of like literally who clicks yeah. and how long they hang out there. How much does data play a, play a part in what you do? And are you guys able to wrangle it all in? Because there's the illusion of what data is going to give you. And then there's the reality sometimes, like, and I'm being very transparent, like data is going to solve all our questions. But I'm like, oh, which question do I ask and where do I look? So how much has yeah. data played a factor? And is it gotten better or you're just getting, do you just get swamped with data points sometimes? Um, you know, I can, I can somewhat speak to this. I'm probably okay. not as involved as other members of our team and our organization mm -hmm. in, in wrangling said data. Um, but <laughs> data, data wrangler. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. But I mean, across the board, um, if we're not serving our readers, we're not doing what we're, what we yeah. should be. You're doing. not meeting so your core mandate, right? Yeah. Knowing, <laughs> knowing who those readers are is super important. Um, we actually just, uh, um, put out a new reader survey and we, we, um, yeah, just made that on, it was an online survey and we're just, you know, trying to maybe update our own perceptions of who our readers are. And that's definitely something that we have to do on an ongoing basis. Um, when Avenue first came out, I think that it was pigeonholed a bit as, as an aspirational kind of one percenter publication, um, a little mm -hmm. bit okay. targeted to the Calgary elite. And that is, um, Something we still have that audience for sure. Our our um, audience demographics tend to be quite um, quite well off, um, quite highly mm -hmm. educated. But um, that being said, it's it's definitely an audience that that is changing in many ways. And so okay. um, you know you don't want to 
alienate the audience you had, but you also want to speak to the audience that you're gaining. And I think that's something that we're constantly. Yeah, that's, a tricky, um, that's a tricky balance, right? How do yeah. you how do you make how do you keep both relatively happy without losing or alienating one or the other? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, data data is a key tool yeah. for that, right? So yeah. And what what's your, what's your key metric as as the editor in chief? Is it is it a number of um, issues <laughs> printed? Is it pick like do you have a couple like what's what's on your KPI dashboard? If they, if you could cover everything else and there was one or two KPIs that you would use as a reference point for yourself, what 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 jumps out? <laughs> well, you know it's it's funny that you say that. I think at heart I'm um, primarily a creative, and um, the part of the job that I struggle with the most is is that kind of. Um, more measured, more quantitative aspect. Okay. Um, sometimes my my own kind of measure of success is how good the issue looks. <laughs> I'm with you though, and you guys have you guys have sexy issues. Like your issues look good. Like there's no question about that. Like, yeah, and it, I you mean, always my, get my attention when I walk by and see you that, see your mag your, your magazine sitting there. Totally. I mean, I got into this business just because I absolutely love that feeling that you get when you've created the perfect turn of phrase. You know, when you've like. Mm-hmm. You've got something that you need to convey, and you just absolutely convey it in the in the perfect way. You just the way that you like um, arrange arrange the words and the the series of ideas. Um, when it all just clicks, that's that's pretty much the the pinnacle of of why you do what you do in magazines. So I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> ability to convey an idea that lands and registers and makes impact on yeah. on a and reader. Then, and then that huge. interplay with the visuals too is another thing that I love um, the most. I'd say my the, the part of the job that I love the most is that first look at the magazine when when the edited content that's been fact checked and, and you know it's in it's in good shape at that point gets added to the layout and you finally get to see what it's what it's really going to look like with with the visual component and then you get to see how it all works together and um, at that point there's still a lot of kind of little little changes that need to happen um, maybe you know the story itself is a, is a few lines too long for the page that the the creative director is designed for it, and then you have to go in and kind of get those words out of there to make it all fit and stuff. But yeah, that, that kind of visual interplay of words and pictures is, is pretty much the thing I love most about magazines. That's awesome. <laughs> From Taking that into consideration and thinking about this medium, which is very unique, and yes, it's been around for a long time, but still it has for a reason. Uh, talk to me about advertisers and kind of what that conversation looks like. And you and I chatted a little bit before we pushed record about some of the research that's out there done by the print industry around mm-hmm. the value and the tactile nature of someone consuming information while physically touching and holding something versus scrolling on a screen and it just all blends together. So I'm just curious, like, what's that conversation like with advertisers? Or do you have like loyal and tried and true? Or is there still new groups, companies coming into the coming into the fold, especially in, in Western Canada and Alberta, that are like, no, we want to be in print because of this, this, and this. So kind of what's, because that's core to your business model, is that's the revenue stream, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't want to alienate the fact that we have a very strong and growing digital advertising uh, program and a digital advertising client base. Um, that is definitely where the potential for growth lies. And we definitely have a strong kind of push towards, um, yeah, reaching out and creating digital advertising opportunities that, that really speak to our, our clients. And, our, and back to your um, comment earlier, it's, it, yeah. I appreciate it's a blended approach, right? You're, totally. You can be across multiple channels, which yeah. ultimately a consumer doesn't think about your channels. They just, they just think about the world they exist in. And if they see you, they see you. And if they don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah. I think what we were referring to there is just the idea that um, when, uh, you know, there's 
there's a kind of an easy uh, trope that print is dead. And, and really, um, you know, in, in the industry, the people that, that don't believe that, um, the, the saying is print isn't dead, it's premium. Um, and there's, like you know, that. just like uh, lots and lots of research out there, marketing research, psychological research, um, that says, you know, that, that can speak to the idea of how much more people retain when they're holding something physical in their hands. And um, from, a, from an advertising and a, and a marketing perspective, you really want to put that message out there because it basically um, gives you that, that you know, uh, that it, it allows you to kind of charge those premium rates because you have mm-hmm. the, the data and the research to back it up and say, well, you know, you may be paying more for this print ad, but this is how much more you're going to get out of it. This is how much more of a client base you're going to build, how much more brand loyalty you're going you're gonna to create by, by taking that extra step. Well, and I'll be, I'll be blunt and just share my own personal, like sometimes digital looks cheap, but it's also sometimes <laughs> for a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have pennies for this ad. I'm like that nobody sees, nobody clicks on and nobody cares about. Yeah. So mm, is it really cheap or is it actually too expensive? It's, it all correlates to results. And I know yeah. it's a broken record as an advertiser or as an agency. It's like, if you're really in the right, if all your, if all your clients were going to a movie at nine o'clock on a Saturday, you'd really pay no matter what you had to, to be in front of that audience. So knowing yeah. who your audience is, knowing what matters to them, and then you still have to do it. You still have to put a compelling message out there. Mm. You know, there's a lot of advertisers <laughs> like, I'll just do an advertisement. Like it's still has to be good to be effective, but I'm very biased in that, in that sense, all the data in the world won't save you from a bad (laughs) message or a poorly orchestrated ad campaign. (laughs) I think, I think in a parallel universe, I went into advertising. So I actually find all this really, really fascinating. And, um, yeah, I just ended up on the editorial side of the fence. But like I said, I think there's a, there's a metaverse version of myself that's like in in advertising (laughs) these days. (laughs) One of of those old cartoons I watched as a kid with the parallel, the parallel universe. I like how you worked in metaverse. Hey, will will, will we find uh, Avenue Magazine in the metaverse in a couple of years? There's a a random question for you. That is super interesting. So I don't know if you've seen the June, July issue that's out right now. Um, I have clearly I have not. And I'm I'm, I'm caught here (laughs) exposed now all of a sudden. So it is May 31st. So you're off the hook, but the June okay. issue Oof, is out right you. now. Yes. <laughs> okay. And it's hit the streets and you can actually also read it on our website. We have a whole like menu tab that's just all the digital issues. So you can go back like three or four years and actually just read, like look at online, like what the magazine looks like and like digitally flip the pages and stuff like that. So yeah, okay. the June awesome. 22 issue is out and this is our annual innovation issue, which we've been doing now for three uh, okay. years. And basically this issue is, um, it's something we started in 2020. We kept it going through 2021. Now this is the third annual um, uh, iteration of it. And it's basically a, a big editorial package of stories of, of different Calgary-based innovators and innovations. Um, and so we kind of t- tend to make, uh, make it a bit of a mixed bag. We like to like um, talk to different industries and different sectors. But in this one's particular um, package this year, we have... Uh, a local Calgarian who um, basically is creating uh, in the metaverse. His name's Trevor Dirksen, and I believe his company is ePlay Digital. And um, yeah, he's kind of kind of known for uh, creating a running app where when you when you run with this app, you actually feel like you're running a marathon. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, but he was actually talking. What's interesting is uh, he's actually started selling like metaverse real estate and stuff like that, which is. I mean, that's that a very just makes interesting my brain world like, that we're going down. Yeah, yeah no, it makes absolutely. my brain go into the fetal position to try and <laughs> imagine this stuff. But I mean, it's it's super interesting that it's going on, and it's super interesting that it's happening here in Calgary, and that there's this kind of like key player that's um, that's 
kind of working in that in that sector in that uh, world. Back to my uh, early bias: if you don't think there's stuff going on in Calgary, it's just because you're not paying attention. It doesn't yes. mean it's not that there isn't. It's so interesting. Something I forgot, almost forgot to bring up. Um, to close to my heart, and I'd like to happy to consider myself an alumni in this. The top forty under forty, an iconic uh. <laughs> element. You and I chatted about this at dinner, and I kind we of forgot. We did. And, and why are like, you so? Why is this so, such close to your heart, Tyler? Is it that you are a top forty I, under you know, forty alumni? You yourself? should bring that up. I was. I squeezed <laughs> just under the wire in twenty twelve. Actually, um, I, I. That's when I really realized how like how small of a city we live in. When I was. Uh, very fortunate enough to take part in that. I'll give you a quick story. And I think I did share this with you. I got nominated in 2008 and I didn't get it. And being me, I was like, what is going on here? Like, why didn't I get this thing? And so I reached out and ended up, was able to talk to someone at your, uh, on your staff. They said, well, we normally don't give this feedback, but if you want to really know the truth, you didn't have enough community service. You're like, you're mm -hmm. not active, you're not active enough in your community. And you were a hundred percent right. And I actually wasn't. And I rectified that in a big way of right after. So not only do I really appreciate having the opportunity to take part and to make the, the, the list, which feels quite prestigious. Sometimes it's like you're standing beside someone who's cured cancer over here and dr drilled wells all over the world. And you're like, why am I standing on this panel of people? <laughs> but it uh, facilitated me creating something that I'm very proud of called Red Express, where we do toys for kids. We've been doing it ever since. We've probably got toys for over 2,000 kids since that day of... Avenue Magazine kicking me in the ass and telling me I wasn't taking part of my community to a high enough level. <laughs> wow. Well, we're happy. Well, anyways, that's happy a lot about me, too much about <laughs> me, but I really give you guys a lot of credit for running uh, um, the process in a way that I shouldn't have won in 08 and whether I should have or shouldn't have in 2012, I made a big course correction based on feedback that I got during that process. That's a fantastic story. Honestly, that's, uh, that's really great. I'm really glad that you shared that, honestly. I mean, yeah, that's kind of one of those things where you, you guys ever since. I've been thankful to you guys <laughs> where you ever hope, since. you know, like on your bad days, yes. you're like, oh, no one even reads or cares what we're doing here. But, um, you know, you do you do hear those those stories, those feedbacks where it's like, you know, this this helped me in some way or this like, you know, changed the way I think. And then that's kind of makes it all worthwhile. So yeah. those little those little nuggets. How long has the top 40 been around? Man. So there I'm glad that I, I spoke earlier about how um, Calgary Inc. melded into Avenue because mm, okay. um, so Calgary Inc. actually was the publication that started the Top 40 Under 40. Um, and so I think because it was a business magazine, I think it was a little yeah. bit more business and industry focused when it first started. Um, but then when that magazine became like got folded into Avenue, that was one one project that Avenue kind of absorbed and put its own spin on. And then so I'd say that I believe now, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get this right. But I think... <laughs> You can, was, you can take a moment and, and Google it, in fact. Check. I think it okay. might have been 2005 was the first okay. year maybe that we, or no, wait. Yeah, it was either, it was like 2004, 2005 was the first year, I think, that it went out Okay, in I know Avenue. I, I know it had been around, because I, I remember when I moved to Calgary from Montreal, and all of a sudden, like, Avenue Magazine was the first, like, when I was like, wow, if I can get on this list, maybe that means I'm actually a Calgarian now. Like, it's there was true. this funny, like, a little bit of prestige. And as an outsider, I saw it as a little bit of this checkbox of being part of the community. It definitely, remembering back, like, it was a thing, for sure. It was on my radar. <laughs> you know, and it continues to be a thing. And um, I don't think I even really appreciated it as much as I did when I started working at the company. And I really just got that insider's um, look into how this project is managed and the incredible kind of um, the incredible amount of work that goes in to make sure that it's a program that people can respect. 
Um, I have to tip my hat to the, mm-hmm. oh, like the that. editor like that, that came before me that really was that was the key. That was Kata Lemon, who has kind of uh, moved on to be more of a publisher's role. She's um, now got the title of president of Redpoint Media. So, um, yeah, when she stepped out of the editor's chair, I, I uh, was able to step into it. But, um, yeah, awesome. I, I honestly have to give uh, props to Kata for the amount of work that she put in just to create a program that, that was... Um, yeah, that could could hold up to, uh, mm. to criticism, and um, it's it's just a, I I don't think people understand the incredible juggernaut of work that 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 project is. Like essentially, <laughs> what, a, what a great <laughs> of the use of the word juggernaut, by the way. <laughs> so so obviously the November issue is the top forty under forty issue. On November first, that's when the list gets announced. Um, we usually have, you know, in pandemic years, we couldn't, but in, in um, regular years, we would have the big gala where we bring them up all on stage and everyone claps. Mm-hmm. And um, It was great. So, I remember it fondly. I think I drank too much afterwards, but that's yes. what I remember. <laughs> the, the day that that issue comes out is also the day that nominations open for the next year. So mm-hmm. in November 2022, that was when you could start nominating people for Top 40 2023. Basically, we accept nominations all the way through the end of April. Then comes the amazingly time-intensive process of going through oh, all these o- hundreds and hundreds of nominations. Um, you kind of do an, an initial vetting where it's like, oh, you don't live in Calgary. Oh, you're 42. You know, there's some really easy kind of like <laughs> some obvious, <laughs> some obvious, some obvious. Uh, no, you do not qualify for this yeah. to participate if, in this. If event. you won before in the past, if you're over 40 or if you don't live in Calgary, you're automatically disqualified. Um, and then those all seem uh, obvious to me, but I, I appreciate it. But it, but this is also someone nominating someone else, right? So yes, they might yeah, be just so really you nominate about someone that person. Else. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So, um, but so then yeah, you have to not 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 criticize anyone for their enthusiasm. Totally. Or their mom or whatever. Um and then basically all the people who do qualify, they actually have to fill out kind of the the second step nomination form, which is was a lot more involved. It's almost like writing your resume in a sense. You you list the awards you've won and the organizations that it's you've like won. It's like writing a pitch. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like I think we have a, a category in that um, nomination where it's like give us your elevator pitch. So it's almost like you have to have to kind of like just sum up what you do really really succinctly. Um, and then basically we go through those, and from those we create a short list that then goes to a panel of judges that are different each year. But um, a lot of uh, top forty alumni end up on the ju- judging panel. Um, kind of stakeholders in Calgary, people from Calgary Economic Development, people from Calgary Calgary Arts. Uh, um, you know what I mean? Like, so we we tend to try and try and make our judges um, representative of different different industries and sectors, and just try and get a bit of a cross section going there. And um, those judges make make the list of forty for the year, and and we usually know that list by early July, and then we we begin the um, gargantuan uh, undertaking of writing forty different profiles. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're all they're all well written and they're all punchy and they're all engaging and absolutely, uh, no, yeah. None of this happens by accident, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> mm, yes, no, it's very deliberate. That is, you know, that that project has has a timeline, and so yeah, it's it's a year long thing. It it never stops. <laughs> and I appreciate your commentary about putting in the effort to make sure it can withstand scrutiny, and that it's yeah. like in a world where we're distracted, and there's always there's always draws for our attention, and there's always new and exciting things that are going on. Having something that's been around for a while can be a strength and a weakness all all at the same time if you don't manage it properly. Like you can't let it get stale. That's very true. That's a good point. And you know what's interesting about the top forty under forty uh, project is that each year's class tends to have a little bit of a theme to it mm. that is reflective of what's going on in the world, right? Oh, so, for example, if you look at, say, the 20, class of 2020, 
or the class of 2021, um, you know, there was the pandemic years and uh, we ended up with a lot of medical professionals in there. Like mm-hmm. people just kind of turned to the medical profession. Um, and those were the people that were like kind of kind of leading the way and, and innovating and, and helping us through this dark time. Um, you know, in, in other years, um, well, f- for example, like during, during a recession era, it's really difficult for people in the ener- energy sector to kind of um, put forth what they're doing in a way that, um, y- you know, for, okay, so I'm, what I'm trying to say here is like, say in, in, a, in a recession year, a sign of great success in the energy industry may be that you only laid off 40 people. <laughs> Yeah, as opposed to, to 4,000, right? Yeah, so, but like, how do you, how do you put that out there as like a mark of, of success, right? So it's, it's difficult based on mm. certain years yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of like, like have people from the energy industry on the, on the list. But um, yeah, well, I, I, I think, I think oh. this, this year is going to look very different then because we we've certainly got ourselves back. We've righted the ship here for a little bit right now. Anyway, it is interesting. Sure. I'm, I'm finding, I'm not going to give too much away, but just having gone through that, that initial, um, yeah huge amount of nominations. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that, that, uh, started things in the pandemic. Well, That's I can, definitely uh, a theme tech startups, year. clean tech, the pandemic transition, startups. like so many. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that theme. If I'm just thinking about even since I started the show two and a half years ago to the conversations I was having now, the startup ecosystem, mm. the companies, the, the, the diversity in founders that is going on in all different sectors. I, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for the, this year's list actually, because this yeah. year, yes. And last year, uh, last year, very, very heavily skewed towards kind of like advocacy and, and uh, people yeah. helping others and like lifting others up and kind of trying to give, trying to give, um, you know, previously underserved sectors a, a fighting chance. That was, that was definitely a big big theme from last year, actually. Was- well, I, I appreciate it. We, we, we go through, we go through these big, these macro micros, you know, it depends on what you have term macro micro, but these macro cycles of what's in the news and what's kind of top of mind and where kind of the social, like, you know, even in, we have a joke in marketing, like you can try to create culture or you can just see where culture is going and get on that bandwagon. Mm. Because for most of us and our companies, we're not big enough to create the thing, but if it's heading in a certain direction, you maybe want to go and jump on that direction. If it aligns, of course, and I don't mean that as in just jumping on a bandwagon, but if culture is moving in a way that they say this is important and your business happens to align with that, that's usually a pretty good time to be in, 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 in said business. I mm. like that thinking about it from a theme and cause I've looked at some years and I was like, Oh my goodness! Like I'm really glad I wasn't in this year because, like, <laughs> literally, like solving cancer or nuclear <laughs> medicine over here, and it just kind of blows my mind that I even made it on such a prestigious list. But I appreciate that each year does does have its have its own theme and centered around. Like I think there was definitely some entrepreneurship in my year. I have to look yeah. back. Entrepreneurship I know I, is I've a, got is to a know theme. a lot of those people. Yeah. Like a lot of those people are good friends of mine to this day that I met through that top forty experience. That's great. And I mean, we the alumni uh, from that program. I mean, they're just they. It's not like they get recognized and then they kind of just disappear here like so one one thing that i really love is like kind of keeping up with the alumni and seeing where they go next and what they do next and um because yeah they're just they're just incredible uh people i mean what they, <laughs> sorry i'm not sucking up to you <laughs> i wasn't alumni, taking that personally but i will now i'm sorry i'm gonna the do top 40 <laughs> alumni are just the best people on the planet i'm oh. thinking about them not me but thank you for including me in that like but yeah, I mean, they're just, just trying to just trying to keep up, you know, images around here, Shelly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think uh, sometimes I was feedback... with you. We were talking about another group. I wasn't lumping myself in that at that moment. <laughs> the feedback on top 40 sometimes that you get is is somewhat self-deprecating. Like, I, you know, something that you hear a lot is like people going like, oh, when I read that issue, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything in my life. And 
And my, oh. my kind of, I always see it from the other side. I'm like, you know what, when I read that, I'm happy that everyone else is accomplishing things. So I can just like coast on their. <laughs> That's a whole other episode on, on when we see someone else's success, how does it make us feel? And do we want to talk about our issues? It's like, that's a whole other conversation for, an, for, an, for another day. So a little bit of a crystal ball question. You alluded to it, obviously digital and just really diversifying how your content shows up. But any thoughts on you know where things are headed and where we can see, like I don't want to minimize it to say the print industry, but where, where do we see Avenue Magazine going over in the next couple of years? And if you have any master plans you want to share, that would be great. But just your own personal views of that too. Yeah, well, I think, you know, from my point of view, I just see, um, I, I'm trying to take a more holistic look at, avenue as as a media brand and not as a, a specific product in any way so okay. yep. you know avenue has been around long enough um, that it actually existed before magazines had websites <laughs> and i actually <laughs> i actually remember we've been um, around for so long we didn't even have a website <laughs> yeah no we didn't have a website and so shut like, up grandpa we don't care about your <laughs> anyways i'm just joking but yeah like if you know in in 2000 and five or 2006, like you could, you could pick up Avenue on, uh, you know, downtown, but there was no avenuecalgary.com to go to. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, like, like now, now it's, I think there was this kind of, um, period where, where there was an adjustment where it was like, oh, okay, well we, we have Avenue, the magazine, and now we have a website and, and just like by nature, they were two very separate things. Like one of them was kind of just a tool to promote the other. Um, whereas now yeah, right. all the online versions of Avenue are equally as part of Avenue as the print magazine is. It's all kind of one thing and they all have to be part of, of the, uh, of what Avenue is, you know? Um, I don't think anymore that you can, you can kind of say like, this is Avenue and the rest of this just supports Avenue. It's all Avenue now. Um, and I think personally, yeah, like in, like, in terms like of that. the print magazine specifically, I think that kind of premium element where, um, Maybe, you know, maybe publishing less in a year, but making sure those those issues that we put out are like meaty and weighty and that they have like they're really like worth mm. hanging on to. And I think that's kind of uh, back to the premium kind of right, positioning because, strategy. Right. Yeah. We have that we have that arm now where we can put out, you know, like the interesting thing about print is it's planned way in advance. Right. Like you kind of if you're going to put a big story in the print magazine, it's like five, six months in advance is when you're like working on this thing. <laughs> Um, what's great about the online uh, and digital properties is that you know you can you can find out about a new restaurant opening and put it up on online in a couple of days, and so you have that awesome kind of interplay of like being able to go in deep and then also having this these options to stay current. And um, I just think that that that's where we need to be, and that's where we'll continue to go. It's know? an interesting line between like fast consumable daily content of like keeping me informed versus literature, versus a book sitting on my nightstand, which, you know, oh, you know, no one reads anymore. I'm like, well, I don't know. I still buy books. <laughs> but there's but there's a middle, there's like a, a third place in between where it's maybe not a book, but it's something I want to consume that has a bit more substance I can sit down with. It actually creates an anchor or maybe even a, oh, I'm, it's magazine time. This is chill time. I'm going to do this thing versus like, yeah, what is the new restaurant I want to know because I want to consume that quickly and, and move on. It mm -hmm. feels like it kind of fills that, 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 the, you know, not to use the, the Starbucks, the, the third place kind of, you know, it's not home. It's not work. It's here. I don't I think, think Starbucks magazine, made up I kind the of third think place. Of it. What's that? Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that, I know that they kind of own that concept of like, well, it's that thing where, but I think about a magazine, it kind of lives in that space between this fast, high volume consumable, 
you know, easy to easy to digest content versus like, oh, I don't really feel like reading a book today. But man, I can read a four page. I can read a four page article. Like I can get my head wrapped around the next fifteen minutes. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I like. I, I don't know. Just yeah. playing my own thoughts around it out loud. <laughs> I love reading too, and I mean, I do love a good novel. But I'd say more and more so, I'm inclined to to read like um, long form journal long form journalism. Um, mm. You know, like I love I love just great long articles. I, I went on a vacation over spring break and I took along a book that was like all the national magazine award-winning articles from the U S in 2020. And yeah, just stuff well, like that. that. Would be interesting. I, oh man. There was this article about the masters, uh, you know, in, down in Augusta yep. and oh man, that was just fascinating. Like basically taking you behind the scenes and the masters and just kind of like opening up this world oh, that what, like very few what, people what, are allowed access to, you know. What's it called? That sounds like a really that sounds like a really fun read. <laughs> I'm actually is it behind me? <laughs> I'll email you the the name of okay, it. Okay, email um, it to after. me. I'll share it. I, lo- I love a good I, <laughs> yeah. I love a good like share. That's how I that's how I, I end up with too many books on my nightstand. Well, what's I'm great? Like, you should get I, this. I you should get that. I don't golf, right? Like I could I could care less about golf, but I love this story about the Masters. It's just, but you love so good well- journalism that I tells do. a good story. I hear there that. I hear the consistency in that. Shelly, thanks so much for coming on and just having a chat. When we met, I was like, I want to learn about more about Avenue Magazine. Like, I want to hear the story. Thanks so much for your candor and just being willingness to just have a chat and for the work you do to put out what is, I I think, and I'm going to say this, and this is my my voice, an iconic Calgary publication. Like, you were the first magazine that really got, you and Impact Magazine were the two, because I was in the fitness industry, but the, those two magazines were what really started to register with me when I became a new Calgarian back in 2000. And, you know, you look at the landscape and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And these two publications just kept showing up in my life. So to have you on today, just kind of, I don't know, puts a nice bow around the last, my last 20 years of living in Calgary. Well, thank you that I really do appreciate that uh, amazing feedback. And um, I've really enjoyed talking to you too. So yeah, it's my pleasure. Avenue, Avenue, Calgary.com. The magazine is all over the place. Pick it up if you see it. How can you not pick it up? It's so it's so beautiful all the time. I do appreciate your position of my judge of a good magazine is how attractive it is or how how well laid out and how it engages people. I love that. That was a great answer. Yeah, I'll give props and, uh, to I look forward, for that. I, yes, uh, well, it takes a village to raise a to raise a magazine, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, we have a great uh, creative director right now, Steve Collins, and um, yeah, like I said, the way he works with our staff photographer Jared. I mean, they just uh, they can make magic those two. So. Yep. Fantastic. Well, it's good, good, good photography. So, hey, made you look, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, thanks so much for your time today. That was a fantastic chat. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Too.